I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Slaughter Podcast will be discussing topics that some listeners may find disturbing. If you're still listening, happy Halloween. Welcome to a new episode of Slaughter. Our Halloween episode. So it is our one year birthday. Um, and you know it's Halloween because all the shops are filled with crap. Particularly Poundland. I think the shops are more excited about Halloween than actual people are in the UK. Yeah, I'm not really that bothered. Like I like to carve a pumpkin but only because I enjoy playing with food. That made <laughs> it sound like I have a sex fetish. I don't. It's too much. Anyway, so I've picked. It's still true. It's not really crime. It's still a UK true story. Um, it's I'm a gonna... crime if it was a con. True. Which it was. I'm going to tell you about the Enfield poltergeist for our Halloween special. So, just saying Halloween special doesn't <laughs> make it actually special. <laughs> I just go, Halloween. Here's <laughs> a normal story. Halloween. <laughs> Halloween. So, this is from the 70s. Um, 31st of August 1977, the Hodgson family were preparing for bed and they lived at Green Street in Enfield. Peggy Hodgson was the mother. She was a single parent and she had four children. Two of the children claimed that the furniture was moving and making knocking sounds and it sounded like someone walking around in slippers in the house. Then the chest of drawers began moving on its own across the doorway. So the family were freaked out, obviously. So they went to the neighbours, as you would, Vic Nottingham, and he went to investigate and he heard the same noises in the bedrooms and he claimed he was trying to find the source of the sound, but the sound was following him around the house. Because he was walking in. So it's like this cartoons, like a dog chasing its tail. Like he's just pacing around the room going, I can hear slippers still. The footsteps are happening every time I walk. It was like creepy. well done. It was creepier than that. I, I don't think. He was, like, that is ridiculous. He was a builder. So he wasn't easily fooled. Or his hearing was terrible from not wearing protective gear on site. And he knew, because he was a builder, he knew that they weren't just normal pipe noises. I'm a builder. I know pipe noises. You're going to try and discredit this the whole way through, because I'm trying to freak people out. Oh, so, yes, I am. <laughs> okay. So, they phoned the police, and one male and one female officer arrived. They also 
heard the knocking and they searched the house. And while downstairs with one of the neighbours, the female officer saw a chair move independently through a doorway. So it's just started moving towards her. And that was in front of eight people. It then slid along the floor three or four feet. And they examined the chair and they couldn't find any wires on it. They couldn't find any tricks. So the police left because they said, well, it is weird, but there's no one to arrest here. We can't yeah. arrest a ghost. NMP. Um, so the family were left there and they were just terrified. And they all decided to sleep in the living room because they didn't want to go upstairs. So over the following days... They of... moved house, obviously. No. Idiots. Never. They didn't even own the house either, which is interesting. They rented it. It was like a council house. So... I, was, I had this conversation before, because um, I knew you were going to do this story, and I said, like, if I thought there was a poltergeist in my house, I would burn it down. <laughs> You'd burn down the house? There's like a list of things that I would burn my house down for. One, a poltergeist burning it. Two, if the rat comes back, I'm fucking burning it down. <laughs> There's not much. I'm I'm so ready to. There's set not fire. much. I'm so ready to set fire to that. House. Yeah. <laughs> like I I can't face going to an estate agent again to sell it. Like, <laughs> I'll just burn the whole just fucking thing. It. It's connected to another house as well. Yeah, I'll burn them too. They're well annoying. <laughs> um. So over the following days, objects began to move independently. So the, a lot of the time it was marbles and Lego pieces being thrown around the room, and. Peggy asked her neighbours to come round and they saw marbles shooting around the room. But what they said it was weird about it was normally if you th- if you throw a marble, it bounces off things, whereas this would just stop dead. So it would just Ooh. stop on the floor but not bounce. So it'd make one sound. And Vic picked them up and he said they were red hot when he touched them. So the police visited again. Um, but again, they were like, well, there's nothing we can do. What are we going to do? Arrest the house. Sorry, you're think, weird. Yeah, what do you think even happened when they called up? Like, can you send someone over? Because their marbles are moving. <laughs> I'm confiscating these marbles. Someone's throwing marbles. Not again. Yeah. So their family slept downstairs again. Now, <laughs> just getting the marbles. <laughs> so by Sunday, the 4th of September, uh, Mrs. Harper had had enough. So she phoned the Daily, the Daily Mirror <laughs> because... She thought, I mean, what you need is an invasion of your privacy. <laughs> so I guess like no one else was interested. And it, when you reach the end of your tether, you, the phone, you phone the newspapers, don't you? Normally they weren't interested in ghost stories, but there was a new editor. So they were kind of lucky because he was like, oh yeah, that sounds interesting. But usually they just kind of would ignore those calls coming in. And he sent a reporter and a photographer to the house. And they spent Sunday evening there, but they didn't see anything. So they said, right, well, there's nothing here. We'll come back at a later date. And they left and it was about 2am. But as soon as they walked out the door, toys began again being thrown around the room. So the family quickly said, come back in, come back in, it's happening. And um, they experienced the objects being thrown, but they couldn't get a photo of it happening. I mean, what can, what is the photo going to be anyway? A Lego brick. Do you think this, these toys didn't get the briefing before? You know, like the ones from Toy Story, they all had a heads up. Like, when Andy comes in, lie the fuck down. But somehow these Lego bricks slipped through the net and they just didn't get the memo on don't move when the humans are here. Did you ever try and catch your toys out? All the time. I'm going to sneak through the door. I'm going to get you one day. Like what the... would you do, though? <laughs> Shake the hand. So... The senior reporter, George Fallows. <laughs> How formal you are with your toys. Like, I force these dolls to like simulate sex all the time. But if you're alive, handshake. Well, I've not been formally introduced. 
you did do that though, didn't you? Like, yeah. I'd be just rubbing the toys up Everyone against did each other all the time, bumping Barbies together. And we all did that. Though I had a friend who Barbies and Lego men together. I was like, mm-hmm. that's weird. That is weird. So, different density of plastic. <laughs> So, senior reporter George Fallows decided to visit next, and he found the family were terrified and sleep-deprived with terror, Um, and he suggested that they had a poltergeist. This is the first time they'd mentioned poltergeist, and it was likely to have attached itself to a girl around the age of puberty. Now, they thought probably Rose Harper was the obvious choice, but a lot of it started to happen around Janet so um he contacted the society for physical research which i guess was a legit society and they sent out morris gross um <laughs> i think he'd been stuck in the office and he was like yes finally Hi, guys. <laughs> what do you research morris physical just all the things <laughs> physical things can you touch it yes <laughs> i'll research that Morris Gross, nice to meet you. He Shake my hand. Shake my physical hand. <laughs> that, let's research that. <laughs> so he calmed down the family. Um, so he got them involved in the recording. So he gave them little notepads, write down everything that happens, and it gave them a bit of a task to fo- focus on. So three days into the investigation, Janet was asleep in a bedroom, and Gross and three reporters were on the landing, bit creepy. Um, there was a crash and a chair had flown across the room. Now, this happened again an hour later. Nobody saw it, they just heard it. She was in the room on her own. The second time, Janet was still asleep and hadn't even woken up during the incident. Um, they prodded her to see. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> no one's ever fake being asleep. Photographers just started hanging out at the house because they thought, well, I want to be the first person to catch a ghost on photograph yeah so in their free time they would just hang out trying to catch something um so the house was full of people loads of the time now gross observed a lot more paranormal activity he saw marbles flying towards him there were some chimes hanging in the house and they would move even though there was no breeze um and they're quite heavy to move but they would start clanging and then who has chimes in the house they're annoying come on peggy i hate when someone's got them in the garden they just jangle yeah like who's like that's not your you put chimes in the garden for your pleasure yet everyone in the street is having to listen to your jingly jangling in the fucking house like what she do just walk past and go we had chimes in our house because i made them in a school project so maybe that was why one of the kids made them Fair enough. I like we're stuck with these now. My mum said they were rubbish, and then she realised I'd made them, and was like, "Oh, yeah, they're nice." (laughs) I was like, "Oh, okay." It took me ten hours. So, um, and then the bathroom door opened and closed on its own four times. So when these things happened, you said that the temperature in the house would go icy and really cold, which is another sign of a poltergeist. Mrs. Harper also recorded a lot of incidents. So she put down times and dates. I mean, it's just... Anyone can write shit down. It's just words on the page though, isn't it? A lot of them seem to happen when Janet was around. So that... Considering she lived there. <laughs> yeah. But it could be because she was faking the incidents or it could be because the poltergeist was drawn to her. Drawn um, to her that they can smell the menstruation. Yeah. To be fair, if like... I don't quite understand how, but if our periods are connected to the fucking moon... 
then are they not? Is it not something yeah. to do with the phases of the moon? Like if if my uterus is controlling the phases of the moon, I'm pretty sure I could it could fling a chair across a room. Yeah. My uterus is pulling the tides. <laughs> Yeah, it's pulls, so pulling marbles with it. That's L- logic. Logic. So I'm on board now. I'm convinced. <laughs> the marbles just when you... orbiting Janet's womb. <laughs> when, you, when you said period, I'm like, I'm in. Yeah, don't make sense. So it. Was, I mean, it was clear to the people there that Janet hadn't touched the chimes when they'd been going off. They had she hadn't touched the bathroom door, um, so they didn't have an excuse for that or a reason for that. So they began to watch Janet because they wanted to rule out her causing this. 10th of September, the story was on the front page of the Daily Mirror. So it got published. People started becoming interested. And the headline was The House of Strange Happenings. And the family began talking to the press and telling their stories. I think partly for the money anyway. And partly because why not? Um, Peggy from next door, she was in there. Speaking about what she'd seen, she said she'd walked into a bedroom and seen the impression of a body on the bed as if someone invisible was lying there or had just left. Memory foam. <laughs> I mean, that that scares me. Imagine if you woke up, you looked over, and there's the outline of a body, of a body in your bed. Or just next to you. Hmm. That is quite scary. That would be terrifying. Um, furniture began to move. Books were thrown around the room still. Um, and Mrs. Harper believed the ghost was a child playing games. And it transpired that a man had suffocated his four-year-old daughter and then killed himself, not in the house, but in the neighbourhood. But every neighbourhood's got an awful story like that. So it wasn't in the house. It wasn't in the house. But Mrs. Harper had bought some of the furniture. Ah, poltergeists! Are they like a ghost then? Is it is a poltergeist someone that's lived or is it like a totally separate being? I think it depends on if it fits the story or not. Because like Peeves, I don't know if he lived or did he just... Was he always a poltergeist? I mean, I don't think there's any rules. No one's proven any of this shit. But... But then you just call it a ghost, wouldn't you? She thought that she'd she'd bought the furniture and she thought that was his furniture and she thought she oh kind of, was it yeah so she thought she'd bought the poltergeist bargain she, but she'd thrown it out as soon as the activity had happened and it hadn't gone away and it was solid furniture as well none of this ikea shit solid wood Sorry, every time I hear a noise in this house, and I'm like, "There's a fucking pole." Guy. I am worried. Like, as much as I'm trying, to talking dis- about pole guys, we're going to attract the pole guys. Yes, it doesn't happen. That's what. If you listen to this podcast, a pole guy's going to come and get you. Don't because like it's not going to happen. I can say whatever. That's what my mum always used to say. Like she always used to say, "Don't get involved in the occult stuff." She said, "If you invite the devil, he will come." To be fair, I wouldn't do a Ouija board. That's what she always said. I don't believe in nasty things, but if you do it, then that's when they'll get you. Like she was I like, don't believe in them. But I'm well, terrified. she was like, she would. They'd say like, oh, like no one. She'd be like an evil, an evil spirit won't come and get you. Only if you like Shall get involved in stuff. Invite him. Yeah, invite the devil. Well, he will come. She'd say that all the time. After all this happened, and then we'd have to pray. <laughs> Out, like, devil! Um, after all this happened, Janet did say that she had done a Ouija board with her sister. And they thought, and they see seen a face that's what happened. I mean, I told told you before that when I was in girls' brigade, we had to do an exorcism that time. I told you about that. No, 
We had to do an exorcism at Girls Brigade. Oh my god, I'd be calling up and complaining. If well, they didn't parent. let us get involved. There was one girl. <laughs> well, we did. Well, so basically, what this happened? Girls was... Brigade religious. Yeah. Oh my god. So this girl came and she'd done a Ouija board at the weekend, and she went into that, and it was like we was in like the church hall, so it was attached to the church. And then when she went into the church, so we could practice a religious dance routine, she started talking weird and fell on the floor. So they got all of us girls out. Did they phone her parents to get consent to exercise her? Well, I don't know. She was just freaking out. And then what I all I remember is her, the one of the leaders coming to me and another girl who were both the oldest girls there. Have your righteous blood, please. Well, like we we were both like I think it was been like fourteen or something. And they were like, "Can you go downstairs and can you pray for this girl because?" like weird ships happening to her so we were like the intense prayer team downstairs <gasps> but we weren't allowed to go and look at her so i don't actually know what happened maybe she was just sad <laughs> yeah she was probably just a teenager just got a period well i had to take her for an abortion like a few weeks later oh jesus christ yeah that'll probably be it you know, like me as a 14 year old he's a 14 year old girl being like um i guess we'll go get an abortion exorcism <laughs> abortion i was like i don't mean I have some fucked up stuff. <laughs> it's only like... Yeah, this girl that you were friends with that I didn't know. She just went to Girls Brigade. Oh my god. Probably just to fuck with us all now I think about it. She was loving it. She was like, everyone's hugging me. Like, people are taking me to the abortion clinic. Yeah. Having yeah. the time of her life. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my only experience with it. Okay. <laughs> the Harpers... Um, would run out of the house and leave the house when things got too scary. But things began to happen when they left the house. So even if they How left... How did they know? Be- no, no, oh, not in the house. Because a team of people were chilling. No, where they were. Oh. Like, following them. So that that's the creepy. The footsteps are still here! <laughs> no matter where well, I walk! <laughs> <laughs> so, they were at the Burkholms, um and Mrs. Burkholm... Um, was making tea for the whole family who were freaked out. So obviously, first thing, get the kettle on. And she said that a toy materialised in the air in front of her and then dropped. And she was terrified. That fucking doll. That's what's yeah, going to do Imagine if that doll just got up and started walking around. Don't, I'm going to have to throw it away. I'm going to have to burn, burn the doll. It. I'm going to soon. Kindling. It's not even wood. It's just going to melt. It's then it'll ma- look scarier. Yeah, it's I'm just melted. made of black magic. Do I you, hate it. Are you scared that you're going to burn it and then it's going to reappear exactly where you left it? What should I do to it then? Whatever Stake you do, it's going to come back. If anyone doesn't know what we're talking about, I posted a picture on Instagram of a birthday present I received that is a fucking creepy doll. It's a cursed doll. It would... Like, I didn't ask for a doll. I don't like dolls. It's from Finland. It's... Emma would not let me buy dolls for the meetup. No, had. and now oh, it's in my off. house. I hate it. It's terrifying. So, the Burkhams had also seen some unbelievable things happen. So, the son, Paul, had seen Janet sitting in a chair and then the chair just moved, jerked to the side and she was thrown off. And John, the father, had seen a lamp slowly slide across the table and felt an invisible force stop him closing his bedroom door. So, things started to happen. And this is why this story is so massive and known and it's the most famous um, story of ghost activity in the uk because there were so many witnesses and people thought well they can't all be lying because surely there'd be someone in there going well i've not seen anything you're all stupid but they were all it seemed in on it in some way 
Now, Vic Nottingham, the next door neighbour, he now claimed to have seen a vision at the window of an old grey-haired lady while he was standing in his garden. And then Mrs Harper also said that she had seen a woman of the same description at the front window and she hadn't spoken to Vic. The only thing was that he had told his wife about it and she could have told Peggy Harper. Um, But what convinced a lot of people is when, um, when there was strange activity, the Harpers didn't necessarily always say, oh, it must be a ghost. So if they were scratching, everyone would go, oh my God, it's a ghost. They'd say, oh, it's probably mice. So right. it wasn't always going to... They weren't it. forcing it on people, being like, no. trying to make them... Convinced. And they heard knocking from outside, and they said, oh, it's kids, they're always coming around and knocking because they know about the ghost stuff, and then they'd run out, and then the kids would be there. So it wasn't like they were all, they were trying to convince people at every opportunity, and that's why people started to think, oh, actually... They're a bit more genuine. A, yeah, there's a lot in this. Um, the activity started to get stronger, so the knocking carried on, but it would be like booming knocks give me attention (laughs) and um pools of water would just appear with no explanation and one pool of water appeared in the shape of a man on the floor and they cleaned it up but then they tried to pour the water in the same way and it just wouldn't sit in the same position and that freaked people out janet's schoolwork was suffering um and she also said in the night that she felt as though somebody was putting a hand over her face um, to stop her from breathing, so she'd break, wake up really breathless. Uh, 29th of October, so near Halloween, the Harper family had a week-long holiday by the seaside just to get away from the place. They went to Clapton-on-Sea. Have you been there? No. No, I haven't been. Nothing to say about it. Been the seaside? Yeah. <laughs> I've not got any stories. What, what makes me laugh is um, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, they always go on about how they're two or three hours from the beach. Like, like we are in the UK, everywhere's two or three hours. Like yeah, we're the furthest. Like we're one of the furthest places from the beach, yeah. and it's still only two hours. <laughs> yeah. On the holiday, there was only one incident, and it was a noise as if someone was imitating a dog's bark. But as soon as they got back home, the activity started again. So it began to respond to them asking questions. This is where I'm getting scared. Like, it's creepy. I'm reaching my limit of what I'm. <laughs> So they would say, can you tell me what five at five is? And it would do 10. 21. Knocks. Sorry. It didn't say 21. (laughs) Do 10 slow knocks. It's creepy. It's here. And then Peggy Nottingham from next door was in the house when um, Rose stopped, leg in the air, not moving on the stairs. And she shouted, it's got my leg. And Peggy said... That it, it was like she was defying gravity. There was no way she could stand in that position without having something holding her up. Um, but when Peggy went and sort of moved her around, she could. She was able to walk in. She was fine. Uh, notes began turning up around the house as well. First said, I will stay in the house. And then the second one said, can I have a tea bag? Yes. <laughs> so they gave her a tea bag. Good. And then they put one on the table and another one appeared, but it was all t- torn up and crumpled. Like it's just gasping for a brew. That would be me if yeah. I was a ghost. That's torture. Like just yeah. fa- roaming the earth and never able to drink a cup of tea, watching yeah. everyone else constantly brewing up. Just give me a fucking tea bag. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Makes sense. The writing did look suspiciously like Janet's. Sorry. Well, the poltergeist had used her hand... And paper from her school book upstairs. 
So again, everyone was like, oh, well. So Janet started going into trances or unconscious um, unconsciousness and then being found in strange places. So she was found wedged between the bed and the floor on the other side of her room. Um, and when a torch was shone in her eyes, they said they didn't react any like when your eye, when you put, <laughs> sorry, it's just making me laugh because I'm remembering that when I in the summer when I went on residential with the kids, one of them ran to get me like, we need your help right now because <laughs> one of the kids was stuck. Right? <laughs> They tried to get a sock that they dropped down their bunk bed and they'd got wedged like between the bed and the wall. And it was just like a little hand waving at me like, <laughs> Miss, can, can you, you help me? me? I was just wetting myself. I was like, can I take a picture first? <laughs> Brilliant. Um, Sorry. So she was wedged beside the bed. Yeah. Um, and then medium was visited. Um and they claimed that she was an unconscious medium. So she was channeling these spirits, but without really trying to. And they were like, oh, if you trained her up, she'd be amazing um, to control her gift. But she wasn't really interested. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> She's like, not for me. <laughs> Work, no thanks. Uh, she also began doing drawings when she was in this trance. And she drew uh, a woman with blood pouring from her throat. Or she'd just write the word blood. And then she also wrote the name Watson. Now they asked Mrs. Harper who Watson was. And she said there was a couple called Watson who had lived in the house. <gasps> oh my God. Did you hear that? Yeah. Everything is freaking me out. It was a house noise. Everything is freaking me out. I don't know that I can listen. And she had died from a tumour in her throat. I'm going to have to pray. (laughs) I'm going to have to ask Jesus to help me. My God. It's all bullshit. December 10th. Two physical researchers visited the house again. And they asked the poltergeist to speak. Which it began to through Janet. Have you seen the video of this? No. Um, I'm so, not going to look at it. And it sounded like an old man at first, calling himself Joe Watson. But then when they tried again another day, he called himself Bill. But he had the same voice. It's the only one she could do. So he said he was 60 and he lived in the house and he had a dog called Goba the Ghost. And <laughs> what? So he named it after it died? I know. Like his whole life it was just dog. <laughs> He's like, mm, I've got a name, on. but I can't use it just yet. <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't, apparently he didn't know he was a ghost. He called his dog go by the ghost. I mean, something's not adding up. He didn't know he was a ghost? No, he said, when they said, how did you die? And he was like, I'm not dead. I'm just walking the dog in your living room. Yeah, I'm just sick of these people in my house well, I'm just waiting for someone to make me a fucking cup of tea. <laughs> Pretty much. So during these recordings, the bed would be shaking with Janet in it. Um, and the voice wouldn't talk while someone was too near to Janet. So they would go over and they'd stop Janet from shaking, but then he would stop talking. The voice was deep, um, and it would keep going for an hour or so. And those there said it couldn't have been her, because when they tried to imitate the voice, it would really hurt their throat, and they thought, well, you couldn't do that for long. You couldn't do it for an hour, but some people can do shit. Um, <laughs> they attempted to record Bill and Janet, singing at the same time can you just learn islands in the stream (laughs) the way to do this let's have a duet (laughs) 
But as soon as... Then I go and spoil all. We're saying something stupid like I'm dead now. <laughs> what the fuck? As soon as Bill would start singing, Janet would stop singing. So it would seamlessly go from one to the other. Which again, they thought... Either just there, like either she's really can stay, baby. It's cold outside. (laughs) (laughs) You have to go, but it's cold outside. (laughs) There were also similarities between Janet and Bill, in that Bill was she was a sixty-year-old man. Sorry. I had a dog just go by the ghost um, in that Bill would change the subject very abruptly so they'd be talking about something and he'd suddenly go I want some jazz music and she would uh, she would do the same thing in that she would just switch subjects really quickly right um, and Bill was really interested in talking about periods which I was going to say ponies <laughs> like, he was a massive fan of the babysitters club <laughs> But he was—he kept asking why do girls have periods and things like that. Which, oh. which sixty-year-old men, they—if they've had a wife, they know all, all about fucking periods. So they're what, suggesting that maybe Janet was just taking the piss, like putting it on, and then um, it was something that she was intrigued by, and then yeah, like Janet, I can't ask this, so I'm gonna. So Bill's gonna ask for me. Yeah. I mean, this is one elaborate. Ruse I've just to got a friend. Out. I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> Is it Janet? A... No, just, <laughs> just just someone else who isn't on their period. Janet, then. <laughs> but, like, this is an elaborate ruse just to find out about the facts of life. Like, someone should have just told her years ago. Or just got her a puppet. Let that do the talking. Yeah. Or a book. Yeah. So, they said, I, I think they, they asked the question and they said, this is a bit weird. Are you just Janet doing a voice? And she got really angry. But they were like, why would Bill care about women's troubles so mrs short a neighbor and um, another guy a local tradesman uh, both saw a cushion fly out of the house and then disappear and they claimed to have seen janet floating in her room and they said it was like she's being thrown up in the air now these two people didn't know each other so again, this sort of put it all into the limelight that they'd seen this levitation and things had gone, um, you know, you've got more people saying this is true. Like so they're corroborating each yeah. other. So Janet claimed she had floated and passed through the wall to another room and then back again, but she couldn't explain how or why or what she'd done in there. A photographer called Graham Morris also took a photograph of Janet in a red dress screaming and sort of hovering above her bed and that became almost the shot of the Enfield poltergeist. I have seen that one. Yeah, but it's been proven that she could easily have just been jumping and actually they've got shots of her in very similar positions jumping off her bed so it's more than likely that she was just jumping in the air. Following these incidents, I'm nearly done now, the family continued to get media attention and experienced paranormal activity. But they eventually moved away from Green Street and then they didn't have any experiences any longer after they'd moved away. Now, the kids did admit to some of the things being tricks that they'd done. Right. But they still say that most of it was the ghosts um, and the house was really haunted. And they, they kind of interviewed them quite recently as well. And they went back to the house and they said, I remember this, I remember this, it's all still true. 
um, they didn't go back on it. And the film The Conjuring 2 is also based on the events um, in Enfield. So that is our most famous creepy Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm going to tell you the story of the murder of Charles Walton. A lot of the research comes from a book called Perfect Murder, colon, Century of Unsolved homicides oh, by shit. Bernard Taylor. You're doing an unsolved? Yes, Lucy. I am for a Halloween special. <laughs> it's so <laughs> special. Halloween. Halloween. This murder took place in a village called Lower Quinton, which is only a few miles from Stratford-upon-Avon, where our top stalkers will know that me and Lucy were quite recently mm-hmm. having a little visit, went to the Magic Alley, Amazing. It was so much fun. Like, if anyone goes around there, go to the Magic Alley. It's like... <laughs> it's the jankiest little museum we could find. They've ripped off everything. Harry Potter, Doctor <laughs> Who. They have a whole TARDIS there, but it's not called the TARDIS. They called it the Matler or something. Like, it was <laughs> it was ridiculous. So, yeah. So, this took place really near there. And it's an area that has a really rich history of superstition and folklore and witches. Obviously, Shakespeare was from there. He was obviously inspired by a lot of local tales of covens and things to come up with characters for his plays. Um, So one particular superstition that surrounds Lower Quinton is that of a large black spectral dog. So fans of Harry Potter will know that we'll have heard it from there and other things like it's quite a common thing in superstition that if you see a black dog, it's an omen, basically, usually of death. Any animal in black is always a bit Mm. creepy. So it's supposed to be bigger than a domestic dog and it would just appear and disappear without warning and then either 
if you saw it, either you would die or someone close to you was going to die. There would be a misfortune. Oh, I hate when they make a dog evil. I love a dog. There's nothing scary about a dog. Apart from an angry dog. Yeah, angry dogs. But like, a dog walking along isn't scary. It's adorable. You'd be up there smushing it. I know, I'd be smushing its little face. So this takes place in 1945. Um, I think the war was still on at the point it took place. And there was a peculiar inhabitant of the village. He was 74-year-old Charles Walton. So he was a field labourer and he was basically a hermit. So he was in his 70s. He was plagued with rheumatism. And so Charles Walton sort of had to end his life of solitude by asking his niece Edith Walton to come and live with him in his cottage just because he needed the help. But he was, um, because he was such a loner, loads of rumours surrounded him many claiming that he rejected the company of humans and preferred animals and birds because he could speak to them and understand what they were saying. Oh, come on. Like, someone that prefers animals to humans, that is not so weird anymore. Half our Twitter followers were like, I like cats more than people. I swear to God. I just type in, if I'm going to find new followers, type in Catwoman. <laughs> That's our people. We need you! <laughs> Oh god, I've lost them all. <laughs> yeah, right. They can't, they're going to set their cats on you. Oh, that's good. <laughs> so yeah, but it's because he was just that sort of creepy alone. And you can, you know, every, lots of people have that growing up like a weird old person that everyone make up stories about saying they were a witch or something. Yeah. So he very rarely went beyond like a miles radius of his home, and it was also said that he would be some kind of wizard. Um, partly because he only earned like less than two shillings an hour in his job. He was a hedge cutter, but yet he always seemed to have lots of money. So they're like, how is he doing it? Mm. He also had a bank account, which is obviously top criteria for being a wizard in 1945. <laughs> Apparently it's so unlikely for a man of his station at the time to actually have a bank account. They were like, he's a wizard! <laughs> <laughs> or magicking money into a bank. Yeah, he must have made his money from spells. Another sign that someone's not quite right is their refusal to go down the pub. I mean, that is weird. It is fucking weird, especially because he liked to drink. He would instead, he'd go and he'd buy barrels of cider at a time and just wheel them home to his house (laughs) so he could drink on his own. I'm going to create my own pub. (laughs) But no one's allowed. (laughs) It's just him. There's like all little dogs playing poker at a table, sipping their cider. It just tastes better in a glass out of the pump than in a bottle. So, the fateful incident um, actually took place on a Valentine's Day, 14th of February, 1945. This is our Valentine's special. <laughs> well, it's on Valentine's Day that it took place, but it's like the creepy, the witchy shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's what makes it Halloween, just okay? It. It's witchy shit. <laughs> Fine. Get it? <laughs> Halloween. <laughs> Halloween. Halloween. Witchy shit. <laughs> so... Charles Walton, he left for work early that morning as usual and he told his niece Edith that he would be back for tea at 4pm. He was going up to cut the hedges on Meon Hill and he had his walking stick, he had a pitchfork and he had like a sickle, a hooked blade to do his cutting with. But he didn't return home at 4 o'clock and he still wasn't home when Edith got back from her job in a factory at 6pm. 
So he was pretty much regular as clockwork. So she was worried that he's probably just collapsed in a field somewhere, like he's old, something's happened to him. So she went with a neighbour to his employer's farm, Mr. Albert Potter. Potter knew straight away which fields Charles had been working in, and so they headed straight up there to look. And obviously it was February, so it was pitch black at this time, and he was carrying a torch. And then they very suddenly stopped, and Potter sort of shined the... Shined? Shone? (laughs) Shone the torch. (laughs) Shined the torch. (laughs) So he shined the torch, like, directly in Edith's face, so she couldn't see and said, like, look away right now, you don't want to see this at all. And on the floor was Charles Walton with absolutely horrific injuries. Not much of a wizard then. (laughs) No. His throat had been slashed with the sickle, but so, but so much so that it had gone through and was wedged in the wound and oh. stuck in the ground. Like, couldn't get it out. I mean, a sickle's a hard weapon to slice mm. with, I imagine. His arms had been really badly cut from where he tried to defend himself. Oh. And his lifeless body was pinned to the ground with his pitchfork. His walking stick was bloody and laying a little, so he'd obviously been so beaten. They used with, everything. They used all the tools in the box for this. So it took, the pitchfork was in so deeply that it took two police officers to get it off. Mm. And it was also said then that when they did that, they saw a rough cross had been slashed into his neck and one on his chest. But that's not mentioned in the official autopsy. So I think that's a detail that's sort of another one of those rumour things that came about after. So Detective Superintendent Robert Fabian was called in from Scotland Yard to lead this investigation into the murder. Um, No motive was obvious, but a local officer to Warwickshire handed Fabian a copy of a book called Folklore, Old Customs and Superstitions in Shakespeare Land. This was by a guy called James Bloom. And it's on, like, you can get it on Google Books and read it. Every book in Stratford said Shakespeare on it. Oh, yeah. Like, that's the only way to sell a book. But you can read it. Like, the recipes of Shakespeare. Like, if you want to sell a recipe book. (laughs) Shakespeare's recipes. Well, when you were trying to convince me to go to Shakespeare's birthplace, I was like, so you can see the room where his mum pushed out a baby? Not Mm. Bob. Like, I want to see the (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Like, just, you could go and stand in a hospital and be like, People were born here. Like, I want to see the place where he... I don't know. Like, I don't know, actually, what I want to see the place. Like, I want to see a play. Yeah. Like, if I'm seeing something about Shakespeare, I'll see a play. I'm not really interested in... (laughs) This is the floor space where his mother possibly gave birth, but we built on top of it now. See, it's not even... Yeah. It's like, this wood may have been the inspiration for the wood that he wrote about in the story 25 (laughs) years later. Like, no. No, no, no. So... He gave him this book. I think this is why they had to bring Scotland Yard up, mostly because it was such a horrific murder and also because a lot of the local police were sort of like, mm, it was witches. <laughs> so um, he'd marked a passage for him at the bottom of page 96 where it said, In 1875, a weak-minded young man killed an old woman named Ann Turner with a hay fork because he believed she had bewitched him. So it was a murder, and it was exactly the same way, this pinning of the pitchfork, because he thought she was a witch. And so they were like, well, he was fucking weird. Someone's (laughs) killed him because he's a witch. He then was given a second book. I mean, I don't know why. He just had these on hand. They were like, 
I've got the book for this. <laughs> How to Solve a Murder for Dummies. That's Shakespeare. In Shakespeare land. <laughs> so he gave him a second book then by a guy called Clive Holland. And this spoke about the case in more detail, this similar murder. And at his trial, the young man that stabbed the woman to death with a pitchfork, he spoke of his belief that there were many witches operating in the Warwickshire area and that when cattle or animals died, it was a sign of the evil eye of the witches and it was likely that some harm was then going to befall a villager. So it's said that his method of killing was like an ancient Anglo-Saxon custom of dealing with witches by driving spikes into them. It seemed mm. to like driving stake into the heart. So that's why so often this pitchfork killing had happened. So local police seem to be suggesting that Charles Walton was killed in similar fashion because he too was involved in occult practices. I thought if you killed a witch, they just sizzle and disintegrate into nothing. It did say that a little bit. It went on to say, like, you're trying to kill, make them mortal, and a part of the body would wither. It did Mm. say like that. Um, But Fabian wasn't really having any of it. So he ordered aerial photographs to be taken of the area. He got a team of engineers to use mine detectors to look for Charles Walton's tin watch that had been missing from the corpse. And he also began to look into the local prisoner of war camp. We had shit loads of prisoner of war camps. Like I looked at a map, we had bloody hundreds in England. But they were like chill ones. So <laughs> they were. So they were they were at the time there were one thousand and forty three prisoners of war who were being held at Long Marsden Camp, just a couple of miles away from where it took place. But it was sort of like oh, a, they got roasted in a cup of tea. Yeah, it was like open. They could they were free to go into the village and yeah. like come home. They had like a curfew. They could go to the cinema, they could go to the theatre. It it was quite nice so it was quite nice as far as prisoner of war camps go i don't think i think they were just holding them till the war's over they weren't it's not like a death camp if you visited any of those um so anyway so they thought right it's probably a prisoner who's been out and about so the investigation into the camp did shine light on a possible suspect there was an italian prisoner who'd been seen by some of the others trying to frantically get blood out of his coat and a man had also been driving through the area near where the murder had taken place and seen the Italian crouching in a ditch and wiping fresh blood from his hands. So, I mean, like I said, they were, Probably f- him, then. They were free to go around, yeah. So it seemed like they had the murderer. But then, so they went to the area where he was seen in the ditch with their metal detectors and they found buried rabbit snares. They then got lab results back from his coat... I mean, as good as it was at the time. And although it's not DNA, they could tell that it wasn't human blood, Uh, it was rabbit blood. So this Italian had just been out poaching, basically. So he was trying to cover his tracks. Then the investigations carried on by going, doing door-to-door inquiries in the village. At the time, there were only 493 inhabitants of Lower Quinton. So they're like, we can get round everyone if we keep Mm. trying. But the police reported that people were reluctant to talk about the murder. And the one thing that they did open up about, they kept talking about, well, there'd been bad crops. There was a cow had been found dead in a ditch that same day. So this brought up this superstition that the dead animals were a sign of witchcraft. And people were still holding on to those old beliefs a little bit. Yeah. Realising that asking the villagers wasn't really going so well, Fabian began conducting more thorough searches of the Meon Hill area. And one evening, while searching for clues, 
Fabian saw a large black dog run past him, followed by a farm boy. So he went up to him and said, oh, are you looking for that dog I've just seen? And the boy said, I've not seen a dog. I'm just walking. But the boy was completely frightened and just ran off in the other direction at the mention of it. Fabian was then told by local officers the following day of the legend of the black dog and how whenever it was spotted, someone or something would soon die. And the day after, the sighting of another dead cow in a ditch was found and the corpse of a black dog was found hanging from the bush at the scene of Charles's murder. Job done. Dog's dead. I know, but who hangs a dog? The person who's trying to cover up the fact they murdered an old man. Clearly. So, eventually... Oh, the dog hanged itself. Yeah, it was like, I can't cope with the what I've done. The guilt. <laughs> yeah. No opposable thumbs, can't amend the dog. Can't tie a decent knot. Nope. So eventually Fabian was able to find someone who was willing to talk to him about the strange goings-on in the village. And he was told that 60 years earlier, in 1885, a 14-year-old boy had seen the black dog every night for nine nights on his way home. On the last night, he also saw the vision of a headless woman pass by him. So he knew that these were signs of death, and the next day his sister died. I mean, yeah, but he saw it nine times, so nine sisters should have died. But the book Fabian had been given on Folklore and Shakespeare Land had that story in it, so he went and looked it up, and he found on page 100, I checked it, definitely there a shocking detail that the name of the 14 year old boy who'd seen the black dog was charles walton dun 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 i just thought it was a really creepy coincidence yeah that is weird so more and more people came to believe i think people knew this local story as well that charles's sister had died following the dog so then to see this happen that's Mm. why the villagers were like fuck this is weird like something's gone on here So more and more people were starting to believe now that Charles Walton had been killed as some kind of ritualistic murder. And with no evidence of a killer actually emerging, the case was left unsolved. (sighs) However, this didn't mean that Fabian didn't have his own opinions on who killed Charles Walton. He had never spoken about it or published his opinions because the murderer was still potential murderer, was still alive and he could be sued for libel. But he did make his suspicions known to his friends. So Bernard Taylor, the author of the book... Was one of his friends. Was Well, he was friends with another writer who had been talking to Fabian while he was writing a book um, before he died in 1978. And his theory was that the murder of Charles Walton was in fact his employer, Albert Potter. So he had lots of reasons. He was the last person to see him alive. He kept changing his story about what he'd seen on his land. So he said, oh, I saw Charles up there. He was working. I could see his shirt sleeves. And then he was like, oh, well, he wasn't wearing shirt sleeves. So you didn't. And it was on his land in broad daylight. There's not many people in the village. So if anyone who wasn't supposed to be on those fields was seen, that would be a really recognisable fact. They'd be like, well, so-and-so was up there. So it was obviously someone who was had reason to be in the fields. Also, his first reaction to being told Charles hadn't come home was something horrible must have happened to him. He must have had an accident when they hadn't even mentioned that. He was able to lead them straight to the crime scene. This is where he was. And when they found him, he said that... um, He said one of the officers told him to try and get 
the we- the murder weapon out of the body. So he went and put his hands all over the murder weapons. But the officer said, we didn't tell him to do that. We specifically oh. told him to get back and not touch things. Like, oh no, I've touched everything. Yeah, whoops, my fingerprints are everywhere, <laughs> is basically what he did. Um, so another thing was that Walton, as we said before, he didn't really earn much, but he was a bit of a miser. So he didn't really spend much either. And he had quite a lot of savings. And Walton's niece, Edith, said that Potter had actually borrowed quite a lot of money from Walton in order to save his farm. And the repayment was overdue, but he wasn't able to make it. Ooh. Motive. So what they basically think, what his theory is that they had a confrontation over this loan, Walton saying you need to pay it, Potter saying no, and Albert Potter did have a bit of a reputation for being violent when he was drunk. So it's thought that he probably killed Walton in the heat of the moment and then used his knowledge of this local superstition to go about quickly and make it look like a black magic killing. And then there's other things, the dead cow that was seen in the ditch, the black dog that was hung on the bush... All of those things were reported to the police by the same person, mm. Albert Potter. Okay. That's it. That's it. This is the story. <laughs> thank you for listening. And uh, thank you, patrons, for giving us money every month because we yeah. recorded this using our new microphones. We are no longer touching each other. No. It's been great. <laughs> yeah. So thank you. Even- Pers- thank you for our personal space. <laughs> yeah. So thank you, everyone who's given. Five dollars, ten dollars, one dollar, you've really made a huge difference and um that's what we've spent the money on so far. So thank you so much for supporting us yes. on Patreon. And if you would like to um support us any other ways, you can buy our merchandise on Threadless or on Spreadshirt. You can um leave us a review, that's free. Um, or you can tell some friends about Slaughter, which some of you have been doing. Thank you very much for that. Yeah. Remember, listening to Slaughter doesn't make you a psycho. Oh, using yeah. your using your Hanging uterus to throw marbles does. <laughs> hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.